Driving it home with Patty Vasquez, Patty Vasquez. From global conflicts to greenhouse gases, the folks refusing to wear masks says, and politicians getting caught grabbing asses says, she's driving it home with Patty Vasquez. Whoo! Hey, everybody. I am. Uh, I'm a little bit. Uh, I was a little rushed. I don't know if I read the traffic faster than I ever have, but uh, I was. Uh, even though I have no traffic between my home and here, I was uh, pushing my luck, probably making Lady B sweat a little bit. A lot of traffic duty for Lady B. <laughs> That's not easy. What they have us doing, Lady B. The thing is that I I talk so fast normally. I'm like, here's your road. So I hope that that helped uh, helped you on wherever you're heading tonight. Maybe heading out of town for the weekend. Uh, it's not too bad outside. Some of my neighbors and I were all uh, we were hanging some of our uh, Christmas decorations today because I I don't know if we're gonna have another day that gets near 50. So we took advantage of today because it seems as though. The temperatures are going to start to drop. I'm excited about today's show. We're coming up at 6:30. We are going to talk to Todd Belcor. You heard Terry talking to someone in Georgia about how things are going on the ground there with getting voters out, uh, helping uh, folks, you know, make sure they know where their polling places are, making sure people know that there's a runoff election. So we're going to talk to Todd Belcor, who is also, I believe, in Georgia. I know that he's been going back and forth. He has family, so trying to, you know, spread his time and make sure he's covering all of his bases. So we are going to uh, we are going to uh, see how we can support him as we head into this weekend. As you know, the decision was made to reverse the, the state of Georgia's uh, efforts to impede access to voting on Saturday. So early voting is available for folks in Georgia tomorrow. Coming up at five thirty in just a little bit, we're going to introduce you to a new group that I, fo- I I've been following on Twitter. On Twitter, you can fo- you can. F- uh, followed Kyle uh, tear down this highway, I believe, is his Twitter handle, and I've been following a lot of the work that they do, trying to raise awareness of all the uh, basically, and, and I'm going to learn more from them. But I, I want to understand what they're doing and how they want to do it. It's a lot about how we are prioritizing cars over people, and that's including our our. Bike paths. We do not have dedicated bike paths. We have paint, and paint is not protection. If you go to a lot of places uh, around the country and around the world, you'll find that there is more effort and resources put into our bike bike lanes. And there was um, there there have been so many uh, tragic incidents. Uh, in the last, just in the last year alone, of car versus vehicle. And I, I, you know, this is something I've talked about. When I, you know, as a comic, we kind of come up with opinions off the cuff and we try to be funny and smarmy about things. And you'll catch me doing that. And and then I try to find a way if someone says, hey, have you thought of this? Have you thought of it this way? You know, maybe you weren't as informed as you thought you were or maybe that quick quip you made or that argument you came up with or that joke that you made uh, isn't necessarily reflective of what we are talking about. And I used to be of the attitude of like, look, cars won. I think a lot of people are in that category of, you know what, cars won. That's how things are done. That's, you know, when you want to get places, you want to move goods, you want to get to work, you know, sure, we've got public transportation. There's a lot of issues with uh, CTA in Chicago. We can talk, maybe we'll talk a little bit about that as well. But why? Why have we given over to a deadly vehicle being more important than the elderly crossing the street, than a mother trying to cross the street with her child? There was a, a 
little boy that was killed over here, uh, I believe it was in the Saugenash neighborhood by the Whole Foods off of Devon. I mean, oh, I'm sorry, pardon me, uh, Peterson and Cicero. And a uh, little boy had wandered uh, into the street. Now, I don't know if you have had a child in your life, whether your own child or maybe a neighbor's child, a niece or nephew, um, but sometimes kids get out no matter how good of a parent you are. And the nastiness I saw erupt about this little boy dying and everyone say, well, where was, where were the parents? Are you kidding me? That's, that's where your brain goes is where were the parents? Where was the ability of people to slow down? I, I know it's not easy to pay attention. Then maybe you don't belong on the road. I was driving down Carmen years ago. My son Griffin went to a school that took us about 25, 30 minutes to drive to. And uh, <laughs> if Kyle's listening right now, he's like, why were you driving your kid to school? It was the best school for him. And uh, we drove every single day to and from. And one of our shortcuts was taking Carmen, which runs right down the center of uh, the community near Bobien grade school. And, uh, and it's it, for whatever reason, it's become sort of a cut through for a lot of people. They've put in speed bumps. I don't know if that's helped over there with the volume of traffic. But I was driving to pick up Griffin one day and you know, probably had my Bluetooth in, had the radio on. And whatever stroke of luck that I didn't glance at my phone, wasn't distracted by everything else, I saw from the right, I saw two little legs between cars. And, uh, and I saw this little toddler run into the street probably about 20 feet in front of me. <clears throat> and I stopped and I turned my car sideways because there were cars behind me. I did not want anyone to drive around me. And I just jumped out of the car and I screamed. And I, and I saw this dad leap off of his porch. And was, I mean, the terror. I mean, I, I, I've been that parent. Declan, my younger, my younger son, who's significantly disabled, intellectually challenged, uh, would has gotten out of my house three times at 17. I feel grateful. It's only the first time I remember that happening though. You know how we knew he was gone. Lady B the absence of sound. We, Steve and I were in the kitchen. We're talking to my mom. We were like, huh. we knew that because he wasn't tapping. He wasn't, he wasn't making noises. And we, I mean, we, the same thing. We flew out of the house. And fortunately we live across the street from a park. We also live on a street where people cut through because they want to get to one of the bigger streets. But fortunately he was there. And, uh, and he got out two more times after that. One time I remember Steve, um, uh, Steve sent me the picture after he'd found Declan. Declan was in his one his onesie pajamas with the footies in the swing across the street at the park. But before he went to the park, he ran to one of the bigger streets because Declan loves cars. He loves big, especially big white trucks. And we live on a street right near a street where there's all kinds of loading docks. And Declan loves to go look at the trucks. So when this little boy was killed in Saugenash and everyone went out a lot. I mean, look, a lot of people were expressing their concerns and saying that people need to slow down and be aware that's always going to be overshadowed by the people who are like, well, why were there, why weren't the parents there? What, you know, I, I wouldn't let that everyone, everyone comes from the, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. I, that wouldn't happen to us. That's never, I, come on. But so I want to talk to these folks about um, and I got to find their. Uh, so here. So Kyle, tear down the highway. Uh, it, it's going to be Kyle and Michael are going to talk to us about their. Uh, I want to talk to them about the Dutch reach. Do you know what a Dutch reach is, Lady B? We're going to tell you what a Dutch reach is. And I think we're supposed to be teaching it in school now.
So, oh, here. This is absolutely true. This is what I've been doing a lot of, Jim. Hey, Jim, what are you doing? How are you doing today? Hi, Teddy. How are you? I just want to say, when you get your guests on, walking cities like Rome, uh, Barcelona, Paris, you get about a five or six year advantage of living longer in those cities because yep. you have to walk to the market and walk around and so on. Yes. Now I lived downtown for I lived downtown for twenty five years and most of the time I needed a car I rented it. Because it was a regular job, you know, uh, parking in the back of my apartment certain nights and having it you, know, you couldn't put it on the street, so it really became a pain. And my wife drove her bike to work for about twenty years. And as the SUVs got larger yes. she got more like near you know, for a drink after work and She'd be like, geez, they almost got run over today. You know, but it, it, I could tell it was getting progressively worse. Right. You follow me? Yeah. Over a 20 year they have, period. They have no sight lines. They don't, their vision is, is completely impeded right. by their height, by the, yeah. Go ahead. And she, and she just insisted on riding her bike. She loved to ride her bike. We always quickly, even when it got stolen, we get another one. But the point is, I could tell by your conversation that these cars were getting more dangerous and was going along. One night, I, she didn't show up with a certain. I thought she just got run over by a car. You know, this is about let's say two thousand and four, something like that. But my, you, you follow my point. It got worse and worse. And I think that uh, I think I told you that my brother and I were on the expressway, and a guy plowed right into the side of the car, and it just kept going. You know. Yeah. Uh, no. So uh, people anyway. people feel entitled in their cars. They feel they get aggressive. I mean, I remember there was a comedian who sad, sadly passed away years ago who talked about how we we behave in our cars is not how and, and you know what to be honest with you though lately people are acting that way one on one but you know the screaming I mean, have you ever ridden in a car with somebody who just screams at everything that happens on the road, Jim? Have you ever I don't know if you I, I, oh. I, you know, I, I go back to uh, you know, uh when I was driving on the highway, uh, there was nobody on it. But I mean, now it's just packed with cars. Because everybody's got two cars, three cars, yep. four cars, a truck, an SUV. Uh, and uh, but I agree. You know, just uh, I just think that we should rethink it because bicycles. I mean, it should be everywhere. They should be safe. And yes. Sound. Yes. Dedicated bike lanes, not not with those flippy things they have on uh, no, El- no, Elston. No. Yeah, no. Oh my God! You know, because it's tragic when I think this. I think of my late wife, and I think how many times you know it got worse and worse. And you say, "Well, geez, I would got killed today." I'm like, "Oh my God!" And now when I hear some poor guy getting run over downtown, I'm like, "Oh my God!" You know. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, Terry, have a great weekend and have a great show. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you so much, Jim. Have a great night. I'll talk to you soon. I didn't get a chance to ask Jim if he knew what, a, uh, what the, uh, the Dutch Reach was, but we're all going to find out if you don't know what it is. Actually, I, do I have anything? I don't have any. Oh, do I have anything to give away? I don't think so. I don't have any shows coming up. Come see me at Tata's, though. I don't have to give those away because there's no cover charge. We are doing a fundraiser next Thursday at Tata's Kitchen and Social at 5700 West Irving Park Road over by there near Central. And it's going to be Bill Gorgo, Janice Rodriguez, Lele Mason, and Anthony Fuentes. And I'm so excited about this show. Please go to tatastacos.com. You'll just scroll through their events and you'll see our event coming up on August 8th. August. (laughs) 
wishful thinking lady me. I want it to be summertime. I don't know like, what's coming. On December 8th, we will be at Tata's Kitchen and Social. And we're going to have a special guest. They are going to be kicking off drag brunches on Sundays. So we are going to have a special guest. Uh, one of the performers is going to be joining us uh, again on December 8th for uh, one, another production of Patty Vasquez and Friends. And you're my friends. So come on and hang out with us. More in a moment on Driving It Home with me, Patty Vasquez, WCPT 820, Heartland Signal. Tonight on Democracy Now! Shreen Abuakla, shot dead by an Israeli soldier six months ago. The FBI recently launched a probe into her death, but Israel's refusing to cooperate. Then high school students in Rockland County, New York, invited Angela Davis to speak. The venue got shut down twice, but Angela Davis addressed a packed church last night. All those stories and more tonight at 11 on WCPT 820. Chicago's Progressive Talk, WCPT 820, where facts matter. Hi, this is Kirk Bankstead from the Minocqua Brewing Company, and I sell progressive beer like AOC IPA and Bernie Brew, a lovingly irascible Democratic Socialist lager. A percentage of the proceeds of every beer I sell goes to helping keep Wisconsin blue and driving the Trump cult out of our state. Enjoy a great craft beer and help your dysfunctional neighbor to the north get its democracy back. Now available at Arminetti Wine and Spirits in Woodstock, Illinois, and Famous Liquors in Lombard, as well as in Chicago at A&S Wine and Spirits, Back of the Yards, and Grand Western Liquors, Ukrainian Village. Please drink responsibly. I'm kind of geeking out a little bit because uh, I've been following a Twitter account. And I don't even know. I know I have a lot of cyclist enthusiasts on the northwest side, uh, and they retweeted probably something from Kyle. And I was like, oh, wait, I need to follow this account. And I was like, yes, I love your rage. I love your passion. And then uh, you did a uh, Giving Tuesday. Uh, you did a shout-out for your group. So we have Kyle Lucas in the studio with us and Michael Podgers joining us. Uh, you can watch us all on Facebook live stream, by the way. Uh, first of all, I'm going to meet Michael first because I'm, I'm so excited. I mean, Kyle, I'm going to gush, but I'm also gushing over you. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm good. Well, tell us a little bit. Where are you from, Michael? I'm actually literally from around the corner. I grew up on the northwest side. What? Uh, yeah. I Come born, on. born and raised in Chicago. Grew up on the northwest side. Um, went to Lane Tech. I actually was telling Kyle. Hooray! Hooray! Sorry. Be fearless and bold. bold. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, God. We can't do that to yes, the public. Yes, Absolutely. I do it all the time. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I was actually just telling Kyle, uh, we drove here because I was, like, not risking this, a ghost bus tonight. Um, oh, I know. We, got a ca- we picked up my mom's car, and I actually took him the back way that I would take on Elson Avenue because yeah. I would bike to high school. Sure. I started biking in the city when I was 13. Oh, yeah, really? Yeah, so it's been uh, not quite two decades, but I'm not going to... Oversay how old I am. <laughs> Michael, I am 51 years old. Uh, but I only started saying that about three years ago, so I, I completely get it. Uh, not that I was 51 three years ago. It's a whole math thing. So uh, where did you go to grade school? Saganash, in fact. Oh, really? Yeah, from here? So at- from- 
Sorry? You grew up around the corner. Well, I like the neighborhood corner, if you will. Yeah. Sweetie, Um, I went to Anahan's. You you can't say you grew up in this neighborhood and then say, well, Saganesh. It's worse than saying you're from Chicago and you're from the suburbs. Just kidding. Saganesh, yes. But yeah, like this is, you know, this is the area where like everybody I knew growing up lived. And, you know, my brother and sister and all of their friends, this is the part of the city we were from. So Really? Yeah. And uh, watching it from afar now, is that, what neighborhood do you live in now? Uh, Uptown. Yes. You guys are having fun over it. It's a, it's a crap show. I can't say the other word, but yes, it's a lot going on over here. But yeah, I mean, it's still home in its way, but there are definitely things. I was bemoaning to Kyle how there was once upon a time supposed to be a bike lane on Milwaukee Avenue that wasn't just stripes, but yeah, yeah, know. I well, we got an election coming up. <laughs> All right, we'll talk about that later. Uh, <laughs> Kyle Lucas joins us as well. I believe you are not originally from Chicago, and I'm trying to remember where. That's I, right. I know you like roller coasters. There's a lot of things. I feel like I know you a little too much. I have a lot of specific interests. Yeah. <laughs> where did you grow up, Kyle? Uh, I grew up all over the place. So I was a pastor's kid, and we moved a lot. So okay. I was born in Ottawa, but uh, Ottawa, Illinois. Okay. Um, so yeah. not too so, not too far not away. Not too far, but I've lived all over the eastern half of the U.S. Well, now Michael started riding cycling in a, in an urban area mm-hmm. when he was thirteen. Mm-hmm. When did you start riding in, in an urban setting? Uh, so I was living in Springfield okay. and working in a coffee shop, and everyone that I was working with rode bikes, and so that kind of got me interested in it. And it was, at the same time, it was just after I had you know been through college and had kind of grown, I'd fallen in love with Chicago while I was in college and wanted to move here and like was paying attention to things about urbanism and and how you know transportation and architecture and all of that so it was like an interest for me but that was yeah and Springfield is where I had my first experience actually starting to commute uh, which was not great either so well I, comparatively <laughs> come on can I ask which uh, with which coffee shop in Springfield uh, William Van's coffee house oh the cute little house yeah, the old yeah. house next to yeah. the to Obed and Isaacs mm-hmm. that's, that's the one See, I'm a little bit creepy that way. Aren't I? You're like, <laughs> Lane Tech, and uh, I love that coffee shop. That's a, and uh, anyway, see how easily I get distracted. So let me. So Michael, when did you become um, more active and wanting to ring the alarm bell when it comes to cycling and pedestrians and uh, you know car versus human? Oh, God, since my dad made the mistake of starting to buy me books about urban planning when I was a oh. teenager. As one um, father, as a father's do. <laughs> Jane, so, Jacobs got, Jane Jacobs got me early. Okay. <laughs> um, but no, I, you know, I, I didn't, I, I do have a master's in urban planning, but my interest was in this. I mean, it really started because yeah, I was biking and a lot of the people that I know from high school who were also biking, a lot of us are like, at least outspoken in this space, if not active in it. Um, but then more recently, I got was able to get involved with Better Street Chicago because uh, Kyle and I here were just always talking with our colleague Courtney about how much we hated the transportation and the urban planning policy systems in Chicago and then became an organization. So uh, and do you also have a background in urban planning then? Or is this something you've, you've been no. kind of growing that interest in, and understanding of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just through lived experience. Yeah. Um, so a lot of it for me was out of self self-preservation um, just from different experiences that I've had um, while biking through the city. And so, you know, just kind of got tired of constantly feeling like I like maybe today would be my last. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, you know, I started riding when I was, uh, I had a pink, uh, pink thunder huffy in 1976. I was five years old and, uh, and I, but in this neighborhood, you know, riding to Norwood park was not that bad. Right. Yeah. I mean, you get across Northwest highway, pretty good straight shot down Avondale. Um, 
but I, and I, I did not ride to Ling. I had a I had a seventy <laughs> seventy six. Everything happened. I had a seventy six Toyota Corolla. Okay, with, with like a rusted floorboard. I mean, it was a hand me down kind of car. I've yeah. never. I, I I try I try to use a car to its absolute last. Like I, I yeah. I, I mean, we'll talk about Still cars. A in classic that. high school experience. We can't yes, fault you yeah. for that. Yeah. It was I, the seventies. Things I, were wild. Yes, well, eighties. <laughs> but I I took a. It was a fifteen year old car when I had it. But I uh, took Elston just like you did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I probably drove in the bike lane, which is something else. <laughs> which is something else we need to talk about. So uh, this is what I'm going to take a break in a few minutes. But I, I want to tell you that I, I don't know if you heard me uh, talking about you at the beginning of the show. I do come f- uh, from. I'm a comic, so mm-hmm. everything's got to be like you know an instant opinion and things like that. And but I'm also a progressive. I try to embrace the idea that when you're presented with new information or a better understanding of something, you are able to be flexible and turn and go. Okay, well, how do I? Get, how am I better informed? That's why you're here. Uh, previously, like I'm, you know, I've I've said, look, cars win. You've heard that over and over again. Cars have won. Get over it. That's that's what you're up against in the city. Right. You're also mm-hmm. up against a uh, very segregated city that was designed to keep people marginalized, uh, including w- building highways through communities yep. that are uh, not considered priorities. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you don't see the middle of. I mean, the Kennedy runs through, uh, um, you know, sort of Norwood Park, but it does it in a way that preserves the community, whereas other people are living under viaducts, which you don't have as much of on Mm -hmm. the northwest side, where there are pockets of power, essentially. So those are some of the things I want to cover. But but I will say, uh, how often do you get, Kyle, on your posts? Like, do people, I don't see as much, uh, no, that's not true. When the little girl was killed in the, the bike seat in the back... Uh, because a woman had to drive around the ComEd truck, right? Yeah. You got a lot of hostility on that, right? That she, yeah. shouldn't, she shouldn't have gone around. She should have thought more. You get a lot of it, don't you? Yeah, it's it's incredible how people just kind of set their humanity beside themselves and and want to to attack a mother who has just lost her whole world. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was that was shocking and horrifying. Um, yeah, it, it, it's hard to understand why why people react that way, and so you know, there's part of that 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 emboldens us to continue yep. forward because we need people to understand. No, these are these are real people with real lives, and and they were looking towards a, looking forward to a whole future with this person yeah. that they had brought into the world, and that was all over in a moment and horrifically, and so. Yeah, people need to understand that there there are these sometimes these little things that they think don't matter that have devastating implications as simple as parking in a bike lane. Right. Um, and but a lot of that for us comes down to we have designed and built a system that makes it makes it difficult to operate any way else and we right. want to see different infrastructure absolutely and and it's a it's a lot to untangle so we're taking a break mm-hmm. so because i have to do uh traffic <laughs> this is a contradiction of like ideas i'm going to have in a moment uh, we are in studio with kyle lucas and michael podgers with uh what's the name tell me the name again better street chicago better street chicago one of the big things and, and uh, another thing that caught my attention was uh plow the plow the sidewalks so i mm-hmm. want to talk about that yeah. as well uh uh, more in a moment. This is so weird. More in a moment on WCPT 820. We're driving it home until 7. Thank you to our sponsors, Monaco Brewery, for making this show possible. And kids above all, thank you, Senator Dan Katowski, and our friend Warren Price from European and U.S. Car Service. More after this. This is WCPT 820, where you can hear the Stephanie Miller Show every weekday, 8 to 11 a.m., because facts matter. 
Because facts matter. You're listening to WCPT 820. Hi, this is Kirk Bankstead from the Minocqua Brewing Company, and I sell progressive beer like AOC IPA and Bernie Brew, a lovingly irascible Democratic Socialist lager. A percentage of the proceeds of every beer I sell goes to helping keep Wisconsin blue and driving the Trump cult out of our state. Enjoy a great craft beer and help your dysfunctional neighbor to the north get its democracy back. Now available at Arminetti Wine and Spirits in Woodstock, Illinois, and Famous Liquors in Lombard, as well as in Chicago at A&S Wine and Spirits. Back of the Yards and Grand Western Liquors Ukrainian Village. Please drink responsibly. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. I want to thank Sarah who uh, texted. By the way, Sarah, I did get your message. Yes, I am getting your text. So thank you so much for uh, for chiming in and letting me know what you think. Uh, it's I just do. I was telling uh, my guests in the studio, Michael Podger and Podger Podgers Podgers. Yeah. My apologies. Michael Podgers no and Kyle Lucas that uh, I just speed through the traffic because uh, I'm bound to make mistakes. The other thing is the screen bounces when there's an update, so I'll lose track. And I, and I don't, as I think everyone that listens to the show knows, I have a little bit of ADHD, ADHD or ADHD. Um, so when I, it goes away, I have absolutely no idea what street I was on. Um, so hopefully if I was about to read your road and then I skipped it, uh, sorry. <laughs> Uh, I do want to say, I was mentioning to my guests that uh, one thing that people miss are the updates on the train lines, and that's actually something I should let you know about. There are delays on the... Um, nope, I lost it again. See what happens? I told you guys. Was it the Rock Island? Thank you very much. There are 25-minute delays on the Rock Island, the Metro Rock Island. Thank you. Due to switch problems on the outbound. Excellent. Uh, so that was something you want to talk about, Michael, was, uh, look, if you guys are sitting in traffic, there are other ways around that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think listening to the traffic report is actually great for this conversation because it just kind of like lays out to all of us that we all know what traffic is like. We need to question why we're stuck in this system, why we're stuck, constantly stuck in gridlock, because uh, that is not what a lot of other people throughout the world are doing. Like, and, and I think it's kind of what Kyle said is, you know, when we think about our transportation system, we have to remember that these are conscious choices that we're making. These are, you know, things that politicians are choosing to invest in. Um, these are things that we have seen bureaucrats, whether... Uh, in, 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 with good intent or just slipping up, admitting that they know that we are investing in a transportation system that is basically designed entirely around cars. And it's just, it's, yeah. it, 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 we can't keep doing it. It's not going to continue working for us. Um, and I think we see people seeing, doing this. Like, people are choosing to take the Metro, but we should be spending as much money on the Metro as we are on highways to make it. We have, a, we have the bones for a world-class transportation system just sitting at our doorstep. We should be throwing money at it, and it would just it would make everything run so much better. Somebody, uh, you know, um, often people say, well, where's the money going to come from? Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. We all know there's a lot of money out there. There is. There is I mean, the, the fact is, like, there are there's just so much money. It's, part of it is that it's consolidated. There was a fear here in Illinois to pass a progressive tax, to so at least take a step in the right direction and go, look, there has to be some way to fund what we do you know when obama made that speech and he said you know you didn't we you know you didn't do that by yourself right and that's the only part that got isolated but he was saying like the roads that lead to your company that bring the goods from your company that transport it around the you know that's done by people who are basically at your beck and call and there's no pair there's just no recapturing that wealth uh, anyway that's a whole other thing but but people will say well where are we get the money from it's there it is literally, and, and they often say, politicians will say, 
our budget is where our values are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not in our infrastructure, is it, Kyle? Well, and that's that, there's two parts to that. There, you know, it's partly like there there is more money that that can can be had for these types of projects if we were actually taxing people fairly. Um, but the the other part of it comes down priorities, the way that we're spending the money that is already in the pool for infrastructure. And so a lot of that gets sunk into massive mega projects on like highway interchanges, like the Jane Burner interchange, which is still not done. And we've been just sinking more and more and more and more money into it just for one intersection. And it's like that kind of money we could actually invest into alternatives. Like we can do, you know, create safe bike lanes for people to to use so that they don't feel like they're, you know, too scared to ride a bike and and have to drive. Otherwise we can invest that into making sure we have enough CTA operators to (laughs) actually run the buses. Mm -hmm. Um, Or we can, you know, roll out things like bus rapid transit which actually creates you know like the functionality of an L line but but it, you know we can expand these systems into places that don't have access to that kind of infrastructure right now we can create you know really fast buses people think of buses being stuck in traffic that's a that's a policy choice that we have made that buses are stuck in traffic they don't have to be we can do signals that give them priority we can create um, stations for buses with level boarding so that people don't have to worry about whether or not if they're you know using a wheelchair if they can actually get on the bus you know there's there's all these different things that we can actually be investing in but instead we choose to sink them into these giant projects that ultimately don't solve our traffic problems right. oftentimes make traffic problems worse and at the end are a maintenance nightmare which means we have to sink even more money into them mm-hmm. And I'm guessing, uh, well, I'd like to ask what your thoughts are on leadership at CTA, Uh, Michael. Oh, I mean, (laughs) (laughs) putting us on the spot. uh, Um, Well, but ghosting meetings at at City Hall, uh, not wanting to appear and and discuss mm -hmm. and be held accountable for what's going on, being paid a quarter million dollars. Yes. (laughs) Am I reading that he's now going to, Dorval's not going to step down? Uh, Oh, I haven't haven't heard that, but possibly. uh, Well, I think some people want him to. Yeah, I don't. Know that he's going to. There's, there's certainly a desire for for him to step down. But no, I, th- I think leadership is a serious issue. And I think when we talk about leadership, though, we need to be thinking about leadership at every level. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the mayor and the city council are appointing and approving these officials. Um, we need to be thinking about the board members too. Uh, how are they getting around? What are they invested in in these systems? And we need to be making sure that leadership is actually reflecting people who have a vested interest in mm-hmm. these systems running well, but also have a vested interest because everybody is using transportation. You know, my favorite question for Dorval Carter would be, please describe your last three CTA trips, where you were going and how you were doing it. Mm -hmm. Because I think part of the problem, and and I I want it to be understood that, you know, when we talk about leadership, we're not really talking about the people working at the CTA, the planners. These are people who are, are held back by leadership. But, you know, what's the last time the mayor independently took the L before she was elected to get around anywhere? What's the last time that Dorval Carter took the bus to go and do an errand? You know, we need people who are running this system who are using the system and have a vested interest in it um, and can and can make it better and, and want to, you know, take the best ideas that we have from all over the world 
and and put it to use in Chicago because we we can absolutely do this again. It's entirely a values thing and entirely a choice, and it's a matter of getting the people in power who who will make different choices. Right, and and that's something. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, so you're saying that leadership that uh, has their uh, detail uh, park in a bike lane to run in and get them coffee and donuts is mm-hmm. probably not the best reflection of where their priorities are for. You know, I, I might make a dis- different decision than that, especially yeah. if I'm the mayor. Yeah, uh, yeah I, th- I think that her response to that was pretty interesting. We were just like, oh, well, they shouldn't have parked there. Well, you knew they parked there. Why didn't you tell them to move? Was she not in the car? She was getting she, the donuts. She, she was, was the one who got the donuts. <laughs> oh, my God. And then sometimes you'll, you'll put pictures of, uh, I don't know if it was yours. I, now I'm starting to follow a lot of folks that, that are cyclists and, uh, and activists. And there was one where there was construction and it, the viaduct. And basically, they expanded the sidewalk and eliminated the bike path. So that it's just like, what is happening? Yeah. Right? So And this goes back to that, that fatal accident with the little girl on the, uh, on the uh, bike carrier, mm-hmm. which was people like, well, she, the woman shouldn't have swerved around her as though, again, it's it's giving over to the power and authority mm-hmm. of vehicles rather than the, the bike paths have no priority whatsoever. It's it's maddening. Yeah. Well, and you you work uh, traveling, delivering, and uh, it's your only tra- mode of transportation. Yeah. I so mean, transportation. so this summer I've been doing a lot of, uh, as a gig worker, doing food deliveries. Um, so I, I quit my job, so I've been doing that for a little while. And, yeah, it's it's uh, I see a lot of things, um, a lot of things that are very scary. Um, and I actually, because of that, I, I mostly only use my bike specifically when I'm doing that. And then I take the train. Okay. I don't, I rarely commute, which might seem weird because I spend, you know, like six hours on my bike. But then I'm like, it's that one, it's, it's, it's going to be that time when I'm yeah. commuting back home. That's when it happens. Um, it's like what goes on in my head. Um, and so, yeah, so even then I don't. But, you know, even today I, I went to go pick up something from a friend and I got doored. And I was just riding down my neighborhood street. I was a block and a half from my house. I had literally just left. And I thought, you know what, instead of taking Clark, I'm just going to go through the neighborhood streets. And I was riding down and someone didn't pay attention. They just opened their door right into yeah. me yeah, yeah. and knocked me off my bike. Thankfully, I'm OK. I've got just a scrape on my knee. But it was, you know, it's like even... Even there, it's like it, so. It's there's all these different like compounding factors of it. It's infrastructure. It's education. Uh, it's as simple as paying attention. Um, but and doing what and how do we open our doors? So this is something. Let me yes. take a break here and let's tease this. How do you open your seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight? I I wish I had something to give away, Lady B. I don't think I have anything to give away. But just your pride, just pride of knowing what is the door, the Dutch reach seven seven three seven six. The Dutch Reach. It sounds kind of naughty. 773-763-9278. You can call or text, and now you get the pride of knowing that you were right, which i it's really one of my strongest emotions. More in a moment on WCPT 820. Heartland Signal. We're hanging out with Kyle Lucas and Michael Podgers uh, from Better Street Chicago. Where can they go? BetterStreetChicago.com? .org. .org. Mm. I've heard it. Okay. BetterStreets.org. You can find out how you can support them, Mm. and we'll talk about that as well in a moment. On the Heartland Signal. WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk, where facts matter. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. We, uh, so far, 
We only have one guess as to what the Dutch reach is, and uh, it is uh, world soccer related. Uh, they said, is it a special soccer play for for which the Netherlands is famous? Uh, I mean, I guess, I mean, it would be a weird move if they were pretending that they were in their car. Um, do they do they drive on the other side of the street in, ne- in the Netherlands? I don't think so. No, I think it's just right England. Yeah, yeah, they're, on the right yeah. they're on the correct side. Uh, so, uh, who wants to tell me what the, the Dutch reach is? I can well, tell you. Yeah, 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 yeah. I had an explainer today, because I said, while I've got your attention, since you just knocked me off my bike, why don't I <laughs> let you know what okay. the Dutch reach is? So you get doored, and they they get out of the car and make sure you were they, okay. Yeah, thankfully they were super respectful and like made sure. They were, but the first thing they said was, oh, I didn't see you. And I was like, oh, well, here's a great way for you to see me. And just so you know, for everyone listening, it is your responsibility if you are driving to look. And, and that is written into state law. That is also written into the driver's handbook. So it mm-hmm. is your responsibility to look first. And so if you door me, it is your fault, um, just so you know. But anyway, so the Dutch reach is this really fantastic thing that the Dutch came up with because, you know, they grappled with a lot of these things back in the 70s, and they've been through this already. Right. So we're, we're behind the curve, but um, it's really simple. When you're getting out of your car, if you're reaching with your left hand, stop. Go ahead and reach with your right hand instead, and that immediately turns your body so you're positioned. You can just easily look over your le- over your left shoulder, and then you can check and see. And then you have no excuse to say, "Oh, I didn't see you," because now you've looked. Right, right, right. And and I think that so many people who are in cars, it's just easy to get mad at cyclists and pedestrians because you're in our way, right? You're, I was going, you know, I have I have the, the biggest thing is I had the right of way. Do right. you, do cars always every single time have the right of way with pedestrians? That's I mean like that, that seems to be the the, the impression no, people have. No, no, it's the opposite. It's the other way. Yeah, I mean, yeah pedestrians can, always have it. Yeah, we, yeah. We were crossing a street tonight I, earlier tonight. You're to getting get, farther away. Oh, yeah. sorry. I mean, we had a great example tonight. We were crossing a street um, on our on our way over here, and it's you know. It was a four-lane road, and we were technically had the right-of-way because there was a pedestrian crossing sign. And, of course, we couldn't move until there were no vehicles because (laughs) nobody was going to stop. Nobody would stop. And I think, like, that's, you know, that's one of the things that I often think about, too, is, like, we just... We're in a situation where everybody has to drive from so early in their life. We don't even have the space to do proper, like, driver's ed training and stuff because if it's not something you're good at... You often don't have an alternative. We hear, I hear all the time from people who are just like, oh, I'm just really bad at driving and I wish I could do something. Like, I wish I could get around other ways. And I think these are the things that we, you know, we don't think about when we, when we talk about our transportation system or just assume that building more highways will relieve congestion and solve the problem. No, like we need options for everyone. Yeah, no, we definitely, and I'm, I was thinking about two things. One, when I drove, first of all, at Lane, mm-hmm. did you still have the simulators that didn't work? Oh, yeah. They never worked. <laughs> Just so you know, in 1988, they also did not work. Yeah. I, I, How encouraging. <laughs> we we yeah. had the... So in case... Should we tell them about this, what the simulators were like? Cause like these little booths? We had these booth simulators yeah. for yeah. drivers at, at Lane Tech, and this is how we learned how to drive. And there was a... Uh, a projector screen at the front and it would show you it was just a screen of somebody the view of driving around southern california 
Yeah. And you just had to follow <laughs> along with this fake yes. steering wheel and pedals, but they weren't connected to the screen, so there were no consequences. Yeah. You could just keep spinning to the right in the car wow. and be going to the yeah. left. It wasn't a, it wasn't this a so reactive. Oh uh-huh. my god. Did you did you because I remember some of the movies that we saw and there was one where the guy was like driving like people kept flashing their brights at him. Did you get that one where Oh, I'm sure I'm sure I oh got god. that. I and I just I just remember being driver's ed and this was already when I was biking a lot and just thinking, "Oh god, this is not good. <laughs> no, the uh, it was, and they had a, it was a very small driving range. I think they uh-huh. changed it by now, but it was like uh, you always wanted to get there first. In the eighties, yeah. you wanted to get there first, so you get the car with the radio and antenna. <laughs> this is how old I am because I wanted Lady B. I wanted to get there so I could listen to Eddie and Jobo. I was like, I gotta listen to Eddie and Jobo in the morning. <laughs> so, uh, but it was, uh, but that those are my, but our my memory of driving should be how do I stay safe? Look, I was in high school and I, I was a softball player and I would pile my entire team. My second mm-hmm. car was a Volkswagen. 82 Volkswagen uh, Rabbit. And so it's a two-door little hatch, and I would pile seven kids in that car. And now as an adult, I'm like, we were so lucky that I didn't get rear-ended that I would, you know, that's that's too, we're, mm-hmm. we're so ca- cavalier yeah. about driving. You know, even as teenagers, teenagers are, the, for, are much worse because their brains aren't finished. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and, yeah, I mean, I mean, we were talking about this early earlier tonight, though, too. Just like one of the things that you know really sets the United States apart right now is, in, you know, very sadly, our vehicle, you know, our vehicle crash death rates are going up, and we're the only country in the developing world where, since the pandemic, not only did they. They've just kind of progressively been going up where everywhere else in the world or the developed world, they're starting to go down. And that's because 20, 30, 40 years ago, all these different countries, again, it comes back to choices, made the conscious choice to invest in different different systems yes. and different designing of your streets. Because one of the things that you know gets overlooked in the conversation in the U.S. is we can design our streets to guide driver behavior so that you always drive safer. Um, yeah. It just, but it is a matter of saying this is where we are going to put our money, and this is the things that we are going to invest in. And for people who drive a lot, it seems like an attack almost. But it's not just about making people who are on a bike or you know walking safer. It makes drivers safer too. Like it, it, it does help us to invest in a fully multimodal transportation system, no matter what mix of modes you are taking. You know what I blame? The drive-throughs. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Well, have you ever, when you were younger, did you ever try to go to a drive-through on your bike? They oh, I drove. You. They still won't. They won't. They still won't let you. That's like that. I mean, with the pandemic alone, mm-hmm. should be walk up. You should be able to go to mm-hmm. the drive-through, right? There, I mean, with the well, there was a drive-through by where I live, and when I used to bartend, if I had a late shift and the only uh, late-night food was McDonald's, if I needed something to eat, I lived three blocks from the uh, McDonald's, I couldn't walk over to walk through the drive-thru. I would have to order food and have them deliver it three blocks from no, me. No, come on. Uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It no. was, it's, it's, it's insane. If you're going to have a drive-thru, you should have a walk-up window. Right. And this, is, and this goes back to when, what you mentioned is people feel attacked because they think of their cars as their identity. I mean, mm-hmm. cars have names. They're their babies. They're, you know, I was out door knocking for a candidate, uh, and this guy was like, you know, out there with his classic car, and you know, it was a beautiful day, and he was waxing. I mean, people, it's part, it's such a part of our lives now. I just wish that people would see our lives as part of our lives, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> I mean, look, how is that? So it just seems so hard to communicate that to people, isn't it? Yeah, and I think there's there's something too about about cars that kind of 
gets people to forget that they're looking at another human too. So it is, you know, it's that part of your like identity. But when you're on the road too, you're you're looking out and you just see another steel box. Right. You don't see a person there, and so it's really easy to get really angry and to and to behave in ways that people otherwise wouldn't normally. Um, you know, and I I think about back when when I used to drive, I used to own a car. Oh my god, um, and like. I was a I was a different person. Like I would I I had road rage, and that's something that I had to grapple with myself and ultimately kind of like take myself back and go, wow, this is this is not who I want to be. This kind of behavior is it, it's aggressive and it's really it's not who I want to be. Um, and, you know, selling my car and like moving to the city to pay rent that like, and getting around on a bike that helped me figure out that frame of mind. And I'm a different driver now if I ever do drive, but, but yeah, it's, it's, it's very easy to get stuck in that. There's something that you've been posting about. And, uh, so I was a lifeguard at North Avenue beach. I love, I, I, you know, I, I still, when I go down the Lakeshore drive, I, I just love that drive. Um, but I will say there was something magical about bike, the drive that I've done uh, several times. Uh, and this goes to everything that you guys do when it comes to cycling is that it is a different perspective when it's just you and pavement. Right, mm-hmm. and so when it's just you, and so you posted about or gotten to, talked about how someone was saying that, you know, it's this historic, you know, it's the defining part of our city, Lakeshore Drive, and uh, I have to agree with you. As much as I love Lakeshore Drive, it, it doesn't need to be this major uh, arterial uh, place for people to. I, I mean, I'm reading the traffic on here. It, there's right. a different way to, but there's no way. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I know that you guys dream big. I just, <laughs> I, and I'm here for it. I'm here for the. I'm here for the aggressive, but yeah. So, so f- for us, um, when we look at something like Lakeshore Drive, um, we really imagine a different mobility future on our lakefront. Uh, we're kind of at this interesting spot where the entire northern half of it is is up for grabs. Basically, it's being it's going to be redesigned and rebuilt. Um, oh, right, right now, that, yeah. uh, it's being led by the Illinois Department of Transportation, and they're pushing for basically reinforcing what what is there today but instead also upgrading it for its entire length to interstate-grade standards, which we think is really inappropriate. It's our lakefront. That's that's, that's too aggressive. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's like it's called – it's technically defined as like a boulevard, but Mm -hmm. it's really not. If anyone's driven down Lakeshore Drive, that's not a boulevard experience. That's a highway experience. Nobody goes 45 on Lakeshore Drive. So – but that's the speed limit because that's what it's considered to be. But but, But it's not. So we think that – that you know our lakefront shouldn't have a, hi- a highway along its you know it's our front yard as a city it's yeah. it's a place where people go and, and recharge that's and right i'm gonna say get reconnect. off my lawn everybody <laughs> <laughs> let me take a break real quick guys uh oh am i at the am i at the break i always yes because we have uh enough yes i'm gonna do this uh we have a, a caller who wants to has a question but do sure. not let me forget to talk about plow the sidewalks too Absolutely. because yeah. that's because i was gonna go into this whole thing about how uh kyle was uh, saying if you're gonna del- uh, order delivery late at night you know maybe consider I'm like, I wish I could ever deliver it. Uh, my son was in the hospital at the time, and that's where I was like, this guy's like, this is a good guy. He's a good egg. Let's take a break here. We're hanging out with Michael Michael Podgers and Kyle Lucas from Better Street Chicago. You can go to betterstreetchicago.org. Support the work that they do, but, but even more than that, be informed and be aware. Uh, that's how we do better. More in a moment on Driving at Home with me, Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820, Heartland Signal. This is WCPT 820, where facts matter.
We're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. Uh, so, yeah, I it. I mean, you know, um, as long as I do the traffic, I may as well make it my own, and I'll figure it out as I go. I've only been doing traffic for a couple weeks. Uh, I do it super fast because I, then you don't know whether or not I made a mistake, right? <laughs> In studio with me are Kyle Lucas and Michael Podgers with... Uh, BetterStreetChicago.org. Go to their website and find out more about the work that they do before we continue and make sure that we get to plow the sidewalks. Uh, Dave from Hoffman Estates would like to ask you, gentlemen, a question. Hey, Dave, what's up? Hey, Patty. Hey, guests. Uh, First off, sorry that uh, the one guest got hit by the door. uh, Kyle, yeah. uh, I ride motorcycles and similar stuff, but uh, when we're riding, we're, you got to anticipate in front of her. Usually, like one, maybe two cars in front. What are they going to do? You know, because they don't see us either. Can I answer? Um, before they're going to answer. I'm, I'm going to guess that they would like to answer that. But how do you anticipate parked car after parked car after parked car after parked? I mean, like, you can't anticipate. Like, can you, can you, Kyle, be in constant state of doors opening? Because then how do you even move? Oh, well, the person opened the door into me while I was next to their car. Oh, you- there was nothing to anticipate. It, it, it happened. I was already next to their car, and they opened the door, door oh, into me. Okay, well, what, what was that, Dave? And, uh, and then in the suburbs here, I can't tell you how many times I've seen bicyclists blowing right through stop signs. Which is inappropriate. You know, that's just a suggestion, the stop sign. And then they never use hand signals, so we got to anticipate and guess which way they're going. Now, Dave, well, uh, I knew there was... I'm not a- trying to fault them. I'm just trying to tell them that... You know that this is what I've witnessed. So and I don't wait, know if, if I'm hearing you correctly, your concern is that cyclists pose a danger when they don't stop at stop signs. They don't follow the same rules. I mean, because I, I I learned that you know left turn and right turn, right? This is and then stop. Ow! I can't do that anymore. <laughs> Which, by the way, is the stupidest hand signal. Like, <laughs> yeah, I've never got that, like that I've never understood that. Um, but look, we uh, I get where I get where you're coming from, but. And not speaking. I do know where you're coming from. I said earlier. Hey, Dave. Dave. Yeah. Dave. I I said earlier. I have been in your position where you know cyclists are annoying and they cut me off and they weave in and out of traffic and things like that. I would say with the majority of cyclists, and I'm going to let the guys uh, answer for me uh, as well. Answer your question, but. I would say that those are the exceptions rather than the rule. I mean, the same way where you don't have any, everyone that's breaking the law in the same way. Breaking, I mean, like, people who drive their cars break the laws all the time. Driving too fast, also blowing through, not coming to a complete stop. Uh, driving too fast in school zones. I mean, and they pose a much bigger danger than a cyclist that's going to throw you off. But Kyle, I'm a, Dave, let's give Kyle a chance to answer, and then Michael. Go yeah, ahead. sure. I mean, this is something that we hear a lot. Um, and... And I understand where people are coming from on it. Uh, Usually my first response is, well, do you really think the drivers in Chicago are any better? Um, Because, you know, I see drivers blow stop signs and stop lights and cut people off and cut off pedestrians and um, open their doors into my body. Um, You know, like like there's there's that aspect of it, too. You know, drivers don't behave necessarily that great either. There's actually been studies that have shown that cyclists and, and drivers tend to break traffic laws at the same rate as each other. The oh. the distinction is that when you're breaking traffic laws inside a two four ton 
steel cage, the risk to others is dramatically different. And so, you know, it, when when it's happening from a cyclist, um, the, the risk is much different. You know, you're just talking about the weight of a person on, you know, a 5, 10, 20-pound steel frame instead. Um, so I can understand where people are, are coming from on that. But I think, too, something just for, for a bit of perspective, something that someone might think of as an aggressive behavior might be something out of self-preservation. A lot of times if you see someone weaving in and out or maybe going through a stop sign on a bicycle, there might be things that you're not seeing that we see. You know, there might be a pothole that you don't see that could actually flip us over our handlebars. Or sometimes people will go through a stop sign or a stoplight because they're trying to keep themselves visible. They can see, you know, I, I don't have you know, blind sights. I can look to my right and my left and I see all the traffic that's coming. And I know that there's someone who's been aggressively driving next to me for the last three blocks. I want to get ahead of it and get out of the way so that I know that I'm safe. Now, does that make it like legally correct? No, but it's out of self-preservation. So for us, a lot of that behavior comes down to actually implementing infrastructure that prevents a lot of that behavior. If we create infrastructure that makes it to where people feel safe, that's well-maintained, we we strongly believe that that behavior will change. And there's actually been – there was a, a protected bike lane that was installed in New York, and they found that there was a lot of you know, sidewalk riding that was happening that residents were complaining about. And that went down dramatically when they actually built a protected bike lane where people oh. felt safe. You know, It improved cyclist behavior, and they found that a lot of that was out of people feeling unsafe and trying to, trying to keep themselves safe. That makes a lot of sense. Hold on one second, Dave. And then, Michael, what would you like to say? Yeah, I mean, I think Kyle said it really well there, explaining that a lot of the behavior that I think people see from cyclists is a, is really out of self-preservation. And, you know, fixing that isn't about saying, oh, this cyclist blew a stop sign. Well, like Kyle said, you know, a 150-pound person on a bike frame is very different. It's I think people underestimate things like how easy it is to stop suddenly on a bike. It's a very quick thing. You know, if you have to, you know, if you're on a bike, even if you're proactively steering out of the way and fall, like, it's different when it's just you hitting the ground versus a several ton vehicle hitting just a person. So, you know, we're talking at different scales. And this is one of the reasons why we need to really you know, proactively, but at this point, because we haven't done it for so long, aggressively invest in street infrastructure and transportation infrastructure and services that really serve all modes and, you know, maximizes the number of opportunities and ways in which people can get around. And, you know, that's not saying everybody must then get on a bike or must take transit. But when we have those options and we know every single option is going to be consistently safe, comfortable, um, it'll get us where we need to go and it'll get us these places on time. People make changes in their behavior. And I think if we did this, we would also find a lot of people would start giving up their cars, which frees up more space to do these things. Cars are expensive. Driving is hard. Um, parking can be a pain. Uh, it, it's nice to have options, and we see this happening the world over. Kyle earlier mentioned Amsterdam, and 
you know, in the 70s, they were going to pave over the canals and build parking. What? It's it's true. And the reason the city, you know, the reason the city is what it is today was because of a political movement that basically said, no, this isn't appropriate. People were having fistfights in Amsterdam to protect the city's existing bike infrastructure from the encroachment of wow. vehicle infrastructure. And I don't think there's anybody in the world who would say, you know what, Amsterdam would be better if, you know, the canals in the city center were paved over and made into parking lots. That's wild. I had no idea. Dave, mm-hmm. I hope that helps. I mean, I think that they... they yeah, well, I, yeah. mean, I don't get the wrong impression. I'm with you, too, because of the fact on a motorcycle, if you heard me say, yeah. we mm-hmm. same, you know, we get no respect. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've had and some conversations with... Steel, going against two tons of steel in motion. Yeah. Even if we're right, we're wrong. We're dead. Yeah and, right. I, yeah, and I think for like people like motorcyclists or even you know drivers, you know who just want to go up because they're ple- you know pleasure drivers. Maybe they're a car enthusiast. You know, one of the benefits of freeing up all this road space by giving people other ways to get around is the people who then end up in cars being doing the driving. They're likely to be better drivers. There are simply fewer of them, so it's going to reduce the likelihood that you're going to get hit in the first place. Right. Um, but then you can also actually start building roads that guide behavior. So if you're just out, you know, tooling around on your mo- motorcycle for the afternoon, you too can feel more comfort and safety in this alternative vision for our transportation system that we're proposing that is realistically, you know, a global best standard now. And as you say, you know, maybe one or two bicyclists can ruin the same thing with the motorcyclists. You see mm-hmm. a lot of these young guys on the rockets are mm-hmm. lane splitting, driving between, and they get doored. <laughs> you, mm-hmm. know, and, you know, and that's, they don't know if somebody's going to open their door for whatever reason, and and then pow, you know, because that's illegal to lane split. Well, I'll, yep. I'll say this. I mean, the motorcyclists and uh, you know, I'll, I'll say this. I'm not one of those zipping around. I'm a real slow cyclist. I <laughs> I bike real slow. <laughs> <laughs> I used to zip around and I got real tired. I'm 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 in my 30s now, so I don't have time for that anymore. I I bike slow. <laughs> With the sidewalks, now I understood that it was illegal to ride bicycles on the sidewalk. You could push a, you know, like to cross the street or something. But I thought it was only a pedestrian was the sidewalk. It depends on the municipality. Yeah, right. In the city of Chicago, anyone above the age of 13 is not allowed to ride on a sidewalk. I think that's something to consider, too, is that, that a 13-year-old, that's a kid. Mm-hmm. Right. They're they're not allowed to ride on the sidewalk anymore. It's expected that they ride in the street. Well, our streets aren't safe. So why is that our expectation? Why aren't we providing infrastructure? If we're going to make this the the rule that that a kid has to ride in the street, why is the street not safe? Right. You know that's a that's a real a real statement of values there to me. Yeah. Anywho, it's just yep. It may be a roundabout way, but I'm on your side, too, because I'm on the two wheels, too. Mine just happens I have a motor. Hey, I hear you, Dave. Yeah. I appreciate Thank it. You. Thank you, Dave. The more the merrier. Hey, Patty, you're mentioning about plowing. When we're in Finland, they're big on bicycling over there, and it's been said that they plow the bikes, they plow the bike path before they plow the roads. Yeah, well, oh, thank you so much for, That's you know what, we're, we're, we're going to take a break here. We'll talk about that when I come back. Yeah. Thank yeah. you, Dave. Perfect for teeing it up. <laughs> have a great weekend.
Thank you, Dave. Uh, the guys probably noticed me looking around for your... By the way, I, Jerry, I might need a favor, because uh, I didn't bring my laptop with, and I have to start whisking a cookie. Oh, good lord. I'm at the center. Did you drive? Yeah. Oh, hold on. Let me go to a break. Yeah. <laughs> I'm taking an on-air production meeting. Let's talk about Plow the Sidewalks when we come back on WCPT 820. We're in studio with Better Street Chicago. We've got Kyle Lucas and Michael Podgers in studio with us. Go to betterstreetchicago.org. More in a moment while I figure out how to get another show started while I'm doing this one. What? You're listening to WCPT 820, because facts matter. Some got busy, some got lazy, some got creative, some went crazy. Couch potatoes, avoiding respirators, we all got pretty big round the equator. Shopping online, working online, zooming all day, no pants, that's fine. Hiding at home from civilization, here's what I did over my pandemic vacation. In chronological order, more or less, with the non-political songs first. Just wanted to play a little bit of uh, Steve Goody's What I Did on My Pandemic Vacation, uh, because uh, one of the things I did was start whiskey and a cookie on Facebook Live and just realized I don't have the, uh, the the tools to make that happen. While I'm in studio with my guests doing this show with Kyle Lucas and Michael Podgers from Better Street Chicago. And uh, one of the things that caught my attention, too, uh, I have a son who is uh, significantly challenged uh, physically and intellectually, uh, and up until until May uh, could walk, but we still made sure that uh, you know he, he he has some stability issues. But now he has a walker, and uh, and we often use a wheelchair. And one of the challenges can be the fact that sometimes all you have is a narrow path down a public sidewalk. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about uh, the movement to a hashtag plow our sidewalks, plow, plow the sidewalks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm happy to take it away. So uh, this is a campaign that Kyle and I actually got started. Uh, what was it? February 2021. Mm-hmm. That long now, yeah, yeah. Because um, we had those big blizzards, and we were talking about how in Toronto and Montreal they actually plow all of their sidewalks of snow in the winter. Um, and we were like, "Why are we not doing this in Chicago? We are another very cold weather, win- harsh winter city." And just to kind of you know stir some trouble, we went out and were shoveling bus stops and cross rocks, crosswalks, the things that don't really get cleared in the winter, just to raise awareness and it resonated like people were into this idea so we're like let's make it a campaign and you know we've done the research and i think you know there's proof of concept in you know large cities like toronto and montreal and like the last guest even mentioned in finland and sweden they often will clear sidewalks before roads and they have found that that has reduced um accidents more than clearing the roads first because really where the accidents were happening were people slipping and falling and we are making the case with our partner organization Access Living um, a disability rights and services organization here in Chicago um, that we should plow all Chicago public sidewalks as a municipal service um, currently we're proposing a pilot uh, and we are working with aldermanic supporters to get this through the city council um, but, yeah, we're hoping to see a pilot in place for next winter um, to test out how this would work in Chicago and then scale it up to the entire city because, you know, it's something that we know can be done. And in a city like Chicago, we absolutely should be doing it. Sidewalks are, are fundamentally like the they are the fundamental part of our transportation system. Everybody uses sidewalks. And for those who can't get through a sidewalk in the winter because it's not properly shoveled, that can trap people inside for days on end and, and totally disrupt their lives. And I think we, post-pandemic, 
all understand what that is like. And, you know, if we're going to be an equitable, accessible city, we need to be making sure that those sidewalks are plowed as, as much as the streets. Yeah, no doubt you about know. it. I mean, yeah. I, I remember there was a, a big storm coming and I used to work on Michigan Avenue and I would see those guys out there with those like uh, those little like little cab, you know, yeah. little plows. Uh, mm-hmm. And I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. And we do need more of that. And what kind of support are you getting both from uh, the people that are, are in office now and from candidates who obviously want to be elected? What kind of reaction are you getting and, and uh, energy. Yeah, we've had a, a lot of really great responses. We currently have 10 elected um, aldermen on board. Um, and so we have one who we're currently working with to actually draft an ordinance to be uh, introduced into City Hall. Um, yeah, so we've been really excited that, that all the people have, have uh, responded this way, and we're mm-hmm. excited to continue to build that support. Um, we're also seeing that, you know, people on the campaign trail are talking about it, and so that's really exciting for us because we think that it should be a political issue and that people should be should be saying, hey, you know what? If we're going to run for office, we're going to make sure that we are taking care of our people. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're really excited about the support we've received. Yeah, I think that there's a, there really is what I felt from the 90s up until the last few years, because I had not, and social media is a big part of that. I don't, you know, if I hadn't been following certain, you know, folks in the city, certain activists, I might not have seen Kyle's uh, posts and then started uh, following all the, the actions. Like, there, was, there are the, like, the bike, uh, I can't remember the names of the, the events that they would have, like, every single week, finding a different path that they would just take over the street. Right? Oh, the bike. oh, like Critical Mass? Yeah, and critical then there's mass. also now Bike Grid Now, which is another yeah. great cycling org that just started up their real grassroots and scrappy and yeah we're, we're we're tight with them too we love it yeah yeah i mean it makes a difference when people are like okay because otherwise you feel solitary you feel like i'm just you know just raging against the drivers and the drivers are raging against the cyclists and it's like and and i am a firm believer in protest i, mm-hmm. I know that other folks are like you're just getting in the way you're not winning over any fans if you're just gonna tie up traffic and you know it's it's like this is how things get done isn't it yeah, I mean, it, it really is. And I think, again, though, that comes really back to even, you know, not just how we got like the Plow the Sidewalks ca- campaign up and running, um, you know, just communicating on social media. But that's what brought Kyle, our um, colleague Courtney Cobbs and uh, a few of us together to found Better Streets Chicago, because um, we were finally like we're, we all share these ideas and we all have ideas for how to move these things forward. We just had to bring it offline and we had to put it into the real world and you know almost three years later we're still going strong and and we're pushing these campaigns and you know there's a lot of work to do and I, I think this is one of the things and this is you know if you're interested in getting involved in this work you know be prepared for being in this for the long run um, but it's it's a good fight to be in you know everybody uses streets every day we all just need to get around you know we should put as much care and thought and attention to our transportation systems like we have to love them and, you know something that like to, to coddle and take care of and, and make it really good because when it works really well you know making it easy to get around can be a spectacular thing for a community. It's a great city. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's why Kyle stayed here. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I fell in love with Chicago, and I think, you know, anyone who who loves the city knows that it's hard to love it sometimes, and there's parts that we have to work on, Um, but there's a reason I love this city, and there's a reason that I want it to be better, and so that's why we're fighting for better streets. And, um, yeah, I I think that, yeah, we're in it for the long haul, and we think that that there's a lot that can be accomplished, and we're really excited about it. Well, and I I mentioned off the air that I'd love to have you guys back and check in and see what the progress is, what we can do, 
calls to action. Anytime you want to come in, let me know. Uh, I recommend that folks, I, I would urge you to check out betterstreets.org. And if you're so inclined, chip in some money, 20 bucks, 50 bucks, whatever you got to help them get to their goal of elevating this conversation, of making an impact in people's lives. I really am grateful. Uh, and it was very kind of you to respond when uh, I was messaging. I was like in the middle of the night. And I'm like, I, w- I-, I order in the middle of the night because it's my only, <laughs> I can't eat hospital food or 7-Eleven food anymore. It's Shirley Ryan. Um, so you've always been very kind. And uh, and I, I love following your posts. And Michael, I look mm-hmm. forward to all the work that you guys all Thank do. Uh, wanna, I want to be a part of it uh, in any way I can. Amplifying. Uh, let me know if there's anything you need from me. And, uh, and I'm there. Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much. I'll be doing some fundraisers. Maybe what we'll do is we can do an event at one of the comedy shows, and uh, and that way the audience can, you guys can do, you know, let the people know about it, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sometimes it's 100 people at a time, whatever. All right. And um, if we can make a final pitch for Plow the Sidewalks, because it's, you know, an active campaign, you know, absolutely um, uh, join us at Better Street Chicago. Follow us at BetterStreetChicago.com. All of our social media is Better Street Chicago, except Twitter, which is shy underscore streets. There's a character Um, limit. Yes. Um, (laughs) But, you know, this winter on social media, if you see unplowed sidewalks or, or unshoveled sidewalks posted on social media, use the hashtag plow the sidewalks absolutely get in touch with your alders and your candidates um, and make sure that they know that this is something that you care about and a service that you want to see we need to make sure that everybody is hearing about this and everybody understands that this is something that Chicagoans value and that we as you know residents we should be investing in ourselves and you know doing services I completely agree and uh, I I also want to know who the artist is for these buttons of plow the sidewalks Megan Kirby she's a great illustrator. Well, these are fantastic. Mm-hmm. I want to show these to our friends on our Facebook live stream. So thank you both so much for coming in. And I look forward to having you back. Uh, and have a great evening. I don't know thank where you're, you. you're going to go to uh, check out the fries and onion rings at Superdog or <laughs> hang, out, hang out in the neighborhood a little bit. Uh, check out the sites. There's yeah, a lot yeah. of uh, empty lots up and down. <laughs> There's an empty lot. There's a bike path that's not protected. Thank you, Jerry. Have a great evening. Have a great weekend. And I'll talk to you both soon. Please. Thank you very much. So much. Thank you. Thank you. Betterstreets.org and uh, and all the other things that they said. You can go back and listen on the uh, live stream. Bye, bye, gentlemen. Or I, you know, I didn't ask pronouns. I so don't. I, I apologize. Yes, he hit works. Yeah. All right, excellent. All right, I, I, I'm. That's the other thing. I'm like, let me know things. <laughs> bye. I'll get to take a break here, and then we'll do the traffic, and I'll tell you you should have walked. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> listen to the Tom Hartman Radio Program every weekday from 11 to 2 right here on WCPT 820 where facts matter. Chicago's Progressive Talk, WCPT 820, where facts matter. On January 6, 2021, followers of Trump and something called QAnon attempted a coup at the United States Capitol. Who are these people? I want to live with the QAnon girl. I could be happy the rest of my life with a QAnon girl. Twice she bows at his feet. 
unbelievably zealous and unquestioning commitment to the leader and to the leader's belief system, ideology, and practices as if they were the absolute truth, the absolute law. The leader dictates how members should act, think, and feel. And, of course, whether acts of treason are really patriotism. She's out at the Capitol now, getting maced right now. She's never been Technical difficulties on this end. Uh, hi. Oh, hold on! I'm a mess. <laughs> Sorry, Lady B. This train has come off the tracks, but uh, oh, I can get this fixed in just a second. Let me do this. Let me. Let me. I'm not really sure. There you go. Am I muted? Yes. Okay. Good. All right, Lady B. It's all under control. It's all under control. Todd Belcour does not deserve to be put on hold that long with all kinds of music. Todd, the executive director, and. Co-founder of Social Change joins us on the line. Todd, are you in Georgia? In Georgia and doing everything we can to get as many voters out as possible. Thank you for a chance to join you and you and your listeners, of course, Patty. Thank you. Um, so I, I'm apologizing to you because uh, I had to set up the other show that starts during this show, which is you've been on, which is Whiskey and a Cookie. And oh, yeah. <laughs> that's live right now with Adam Selzer and Elliot Serrano and, and as will be there soon. So I uh, let me do that. There we go. One second. Now, you, how long have you been in Georgia? Oh, my goodness. We've been here uh, nonstop since a day and a half from the original general election. And when it was very clear there's going to be a runoff to make sure we're doing everything we can to set the infrastructure and lay the groundwork to make sure there was no one who didn't know that there was a runoff and had all the tools and resources necessary to make sure they vote and have their vote actually counted, which is an issue in Georgia, unfortunately. What's the reaction you're getting from folks? Uh, you know, because I asked you before, like, do a lot? Uh, does everyone seem to be aware that there is a runoff? That this is a, is it crucially important to be a part of this particular race? 
Yeah, whether it's a Monday, or Tuesday, or Wednesday, lunchtime, 2 p.m., it doesn't matter. I mean, there's the lines are actually wrapped around the building. The really? Where there's a polling site. There are people who are voting in mass. Um, but that's also a reflection of the fact that voter suppression is taking place. Well, I mean, who has time to take a half a day out on a weekday during a work day to vote? Um, and, but that's what people are being subjected to in Georgia because of the new laws that are put in place to limit access to the vote and make sure it's harder to vote early and, uh, you know, on actual election day. So we're managing all those things as best we can by making sure people are aware not only of their polling site but the best times to vote and have the resources necessary to get to the polls. But um, just going door to door. I mean, talking to our neighbors, our, our brothers and sisters all over the state, and letting them know we need you. This is not the time um, to try to juggle a million things. I know everyone's got a lot on their plate, but if you have to come Saturday, come Saturday. If you have to come Monday, come Monday. But we really need you at the polls, and it's been showing so far. And that's, uh, you know, folks are seeing the uh, lines, they're seeing images of that, and saying, oh, it shouldn't be this hard. But that's essentially, you know, the, the, one, it's a good sign, as you mentioned, that people are showing up. But it is, uh, it is, it's people are committed to it. That shows their their dedication and uh, their awareness of it. Uh, but are some people like, oh, I just voted, or or they kind of get it? No, there's, there's a little bit of both for sure. There's people who are just like, I just voted. How is there another election? God, leave. And there's also people who are like, I can't wait to vote again because I know how important this is. And this is the time for me to stand out and step up. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, there's so much at stake right now that there's just, there's, we can't leave any stones unturned. If there's anyone we can speak to, if there's anyone we can help, if there's any bridge we can cross, we're doing it. We've got over 25 people who've come from different parts of the nation in parts for time, you know, one day, three days, five days to take part in this and join the, the organizers on the ground and mobilizing and knocking doors and texting people, phone banking, uh, to, just to make sure everyone is aware and everyone comes out. And the only way to really combat voter suppression is to get the people out who are responsible for voter suppression. And that requires just overwhelming the polls and make sure there's more voters and then sheriffs keeping people away and make sure there's more voters and people who are intimidating voters. Um, so you can make sure, you know, 2%, 3%, 5% victory. So when the eventual call to recount and the fake election, all that stuff comes, um, that there's overwhelming evidence to even make the naysayers sit down. And I know that there were efforts. You mentioned intimidation. Let me start with that. Are there folks that are, you know, again, showing up armed and sitting outside of polling places or asking people questions that have no relevance to their ability to cast a vote? Not only are people showing up, I mean, you're talking about law enforcement being present in mass. I mean, especially in our communities where we have uh, more of our Latino population that are coming into the, the polls. Uh, you have sheriffs present. You have people who are there. Uh, and even though, irrespective of your status, I mean, that terrifies people. That yeah. is in itself a form of intimidation that is in itself a form of voter suppression. And uh, that's why we try to accompany people to the polls. That's why we make sure people who need resources have the additional resources they need. And that's why we work with partners to make sure any gaps or any discomfort is alleviated the best of our ability. But again, I mean, there's, you know, we're expecting 4 million votes this cycle. Um, so we're doing what we can. But this is why I really appreciate you shouting out all the work we're doing and make sure we get the support we need. Because, you know, we are a motley crew of, you know, uh, of freedom fighters who are, doing everything we can and all the support, all the donations, all the people come down, fly down, you know, make phone calls, 
it all makes a difference. And I really want to say thank you for making it happen, Patty. Oh, I'm, I wish I could do more, uh, but I think some phone banking is what I need to be doing this weekend. How do folks find out how they can they can phone bank or, uh, you know, pledge some dollars so they can continue to support and give you that momentum and energy heading into Tuesday? Yeah, absolutely. If people are comfortable navigating social media, check us out on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Shy Social Change at CHI Social Change. Direct message us, or you know, take the opportunity to donate to our campaign by clicking our link in our bio, or you know, people on our website, folks, socialchange.site um, backslash donate, or you just go socialchange.site our website and click donate. There's plenty of ways to just donate. They're very cleanly and clearly there. Uh, people are more the cash app vibe, shy social change on that. But no matter what, whether people are donating or de- dedicating a little time to make a phone call or 500, <laughs> uh, we need you. Uh, this is the time. Um, n- n- you know, we need the, the actual content and the representation of the Senate to represent uh, what people are dealing with. We care about what people are struggling with. And right now, it's in a balance. It may not be the case. That is the the thing is it shouldn't be, and yet they're trying so hard to make it difficult. They they are able to vote on. They were going to try to like invalidate or close down voting places on Saturday, but that's been reversed. Correct. That's right. I mean, thankfully, there have been some successful arguments before the courts to ensure that people have not one but at least two Saturdays to to, to poll, get to the polls, and and um, get their early vote out. And right now, I mean. Today is the last day of early voting, so it, whatever it looks like now can completely change on, on voting day since this entire weekend is closed off to the polls. So uh, all this stuff, it, you know, there's no false sense of security here. We're working to the finish line and making sure no matter what that everyone has a chance to vote and everyone knows the importance of their vote. And hopefully, uh, you know, Tuesday night we can celebrate just a great turnout in all different districts, uh, particularly where our marginalized communities reside, and, and see where the outcome lay. Um, so when you mentioned that, uh, you know, folks can get involved, I, I would imagine that there's some energy. Are you getting what you'd hoped? Is it, is it Has that part been coming through at levels that you were anticipating? Yeah. I mean, the fact that people are taking time away from their jobs, their family, their you know, day-to-day life to be a part of this movement to make sure that we're doing what we can to honor the vote and really stand up and in the name of democracy right now is really important. It's really valuable. It's really beautiful. I mean, unfortunately, Georgia is ground zero for voter suppression, and people recognize that. And in honor of that, they decided to do something about it. So that's why we have the opportunity to have people to kind of interrupt their lives during the most important season, which is holiday season, with family and friends and all love and everything you can, to continue to come out and knock doors and make calls and do what they can to make sure our neighbors feel the love and appreciation and support and empowerment they need. Just vote one more time. One more time. Um, yeah. So it's coming. We're grateful for it. But honestly, the platform you provided to make sure people know about this opportunity means the world to us, Patty. Uh, there's people who have called directly as a result of hearing us on your show. So I just want to say thank you for everything you're doing to amplify what we're doing as well. Well, this is, you know, I've I've wanted to bring back a segment I used to do called uh, The Least I Could Do. Opening my microphone and sharing it with you is not just the least I could do. It's an honor to work with you, to be your friend. Uh, and I'm always in awe of the passion that you bring to the work that you do. You're, I know that it's saying tireless when I know that someone is exhausted, but it means that you keep showing up even when you could be somewhere else, uh, could be resting, could be with your family, because you know 
what is at stake. And so it is really the least I could do. And I, and I, and I want to continue to do more and build with you. Uh, there was a, when we were here on election night, uh, I think it was, uh, I want to say it was Hal Sparks was talking about voting and, you know, people are like, oh, I got to vote again or not, you know, this cycle. But he, he compared it to uh, gardening, right? So this is kind of like going out, you're tending to your garden. Our democracy is our garden and it's going to be frustrating and there's going to be weeds and we have to roll up our sleeves and get in there again. But it can be a beautiful thing. And one of the things that you taught me years ago about our constitution and uh, and your your perspective is that it gives us the potential of what we aspire to. And that's what you're working towards, right? Absolutely. I mean, we're bold enough to dream of a country where everyone gets a chance to vote, <laughs> where everyone gets a chance to vote counted. And that's just kind of part and parcel to the foundational elements of the country, but unfortunately it's not realized. And so we're doing our part to stand in the gap to make sure this country is what it purports to be. So anyone who's interested in this kind of really moral call to action, uh, we need you. Uh, we appreciate you. Sorry, social change, social change that site. Uh, if you want to be involved in any capacity, we would love any support we can get, phone banking, in person, donating. But uh, again, thank you for amplifying this. Make sure the world hears about this important work. Thank you so much, Todd. We love we'd love to check in with you. Are you staying through uh, through Wednesday, or are you coming home before Tuesday or on Tuesday? No, I'm on the ground all the way into Wednesday. So um, if people want to find me, they got they better find me in Georgia. <laughs> I'm going to be uh, knocking on neighbors' doors and talking to me. as many people as God will allow me to talk to. Fantastic. Todd, go get them. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you all the volunteers that are working with you, all the people that are contributing and supporting uh, the folks that are have boots on the ground in Georgia, getting the vote out, uh, making sure people's voices are heard. One more time, where can people go to support you? Yes, please. Check us out at Shy Social Change on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, CHI Social Change, CHI Social Change, or socialchange.site. Uh, our website, check us out. A big shout out to Alexis, Tara, Taryn, Miss Carol, Mario, Joanna, Michelle, the, the countless people who literally are sitting in couches and displacing themselves from all sorts of comfortable living <laughs> to be in this kind of motley crew of, you know, haphazard housing that we can afford to be part of this, this movement to make sure democracy is a, is a real thing. So thank you again, Patty. Um, for allowing us to share a little bit about our work, but for all you're doing, not just for us, but for all movements, for all people nationwide, you're just a, such a godsend. I just want to say thank you for that. Too much, too much, Todd. You too. You, uh, we'll we'll gush over each other uh, when you're back in town and uh, and grab some dinner. Todd, thank you so much. Safe travels, uh, great work, and Godspeed. All right, guys, we talk to you soon. Thank you, Todd. Let's take a break here. We'll wrap up in just a moment. I'll take your calls. I've got Roosevelt and Eduardo on the line, and we'll come back and finish up in just a moment on Driving It Home. Because facts matter. You're listening to WCPT 820. Listening to Driving It Home with Patty Baskin on WCPT 820. couple more minutes left here on uh, driving at home let's get to your calls roosevelt's on the line hey roosevelt what's on your mind my friend patty thank you for taking my call have a nice weekend you too thank Thanks you everybody. and everybody out there first of all i have to mention this and this is entertainment field this is my youth when i was in high school when i was in grammar school i had already heard of fleetwood mac specifically of uh 
Christine. Perfect. A.K.A. Christine McGee that died a, a couple of, two or three days ago. A giant as far as voice, a giant as far as uh, writing music. And, uh, well, of course, Fleetwood Mac. But before uh, Stevie Nicks joined, she had a couple of songs that hardly anybody has heard of. And I was a listener of XRT, so they played their music way back when, 1969, 1970. So I knew of them. Uh, so I want to mention a couple of songs. I suggest you guys look them up. Great song. Tell me all, tell me all the things you do is one. And spare uh, me a little of your love. Okay. Now, so, and then look up all the songs you contributed as far as writing and singing. I'm pleading back. There's too much, so many out on him. Because I know you got a driver following me. So, that lady, Christine Perfect, rest in peace. I mean, it's part of my youth. And there was, a giant boy. My husband told me that there was a nickname for her. I think it was, was it Songbird? It was, there was something, there was a nickname for her. Yeah, there's a song that she sang called Songbird. Okay. And another one she sang was, I'd rather go blind girl. I mean, I would rather go blind, not the blind girl. I would rather go blind. And I believe Ron Stewart covered it, but it's a song by, uh, oh, I can't think of the lady. She, she sang uh, Rhythm and Blues, but I can't think of her. But uh, that's, uh, according to Rolling Stone, that's the number one song. Uh, as far as her, you know, singing. Right. And that's prior to Stevie, uh, Stevie Nicks and uh, Lizzie Buckingham joining the, the band. And uh, honorary mention, Irene Cara, too. Oh, yeah. And Lady B reminded me, very, uh, very talented lady. And she just blew up, I mean, from morning yeah. to you know, I mean, from night to morning. Have you have you seen the video of her singing when she was about eight years old? Yeah, I believe she was in uh, Electric Company with. Uh, there, with she was. Uh, on, she was. On, there's another one where she like sings a full song. I can't remember the name of the show, but Google like Irene Cara as a as a child singing. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Came in Chicago. We used to we used to watch Electric Company. It was Bill yeah. Cosby. Uh, it was a number of uh, Rita Moreno was in it. It was uh, you know, Morgan Freeman. Show. Yep, More, not not Morgan Bill Cosby. Freeman. It was Morgan Freeman. I don't think Bill Cosby was on the on Electric Company. Oh, I'm pretty sure he was. Look it up. Look it up. I'm pretty sure he was Electric Company. Mm, maybe just I try to block everything that's Bill Cosby. Yeah, it, <laughs> yeah. And who was the other? There's a, a, a an African American actor. He uh, also was in. Um, he played like a cowboy, but I I don't know which one he was in. Electric Company one anyway. He was on Pee Wee Herman. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne was on Pee Wee Herman. Yep. Lawrence Fishburne, you got it. You got it. See, I can do TV and movies. I just can't do. Uh, I'm not as good at music. You gotta do music. Man. I know. I know. I'm trying. I thank you so much, Roosevelt. I appreciate the recommendations. Thank you very much. Of course. Have a nice week. Have a great weekend. And let's get to Eduardo. Eduardo, what's on your mind, my friend? Before we head out of here. Uh, next time, have a helicopter uh, sound effect on the back. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. I was just reading online while I was waiting um, that the Netherlands team is uh, coming down with the uh, flu box. So that 
red alert for the opposition. I'm sorry, what oh, is... They don't suspend the game. Cause, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. They suspend games if people come down. Yeah. Exactly. We don't want that. No. Yeah. And I'm going to check this out, but uh, I guess... I don't know if they copied the Frosty Bar on uh, over there by uh, Lincoln Park, like uh, North and Clybourne Frosty Bar. Now I see, like, a bunch of bars popping up doing all, like, all this, like... Decoration of Christmas. I don't know. Is that oh the pop up? <sighs> Eduardo, if you have a chance to try a pop up Christmas bar, uh, there's a lot uh-huh. on near Wrigleyville. I haven't been to too many others, but I'll, you know what? I'll put I together that one. Yeah, when I went to the oh. uh, Christmas market on Saturday. Oh my god! It, yeah, there's there some great pop ups. I will try to put together a list and maybe bring in some guests to talk about their pop ups so that we know more about those. That would hey. be great to hear. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Patty. Thank you. Enjoy your weekend. You okay. too. Bye-bye. Have a great weekend. Let's wind this down, Lady B. Have a wonderful weekend. Thank you. So so much. I know this is a, this has been a lot the last couple of days. Adore you. Uh, Mike Crude is up next with a Devil's Advocate. Be well, everyone. Have a great weekend.